Today's passage comes to us from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan, his son. And he said it should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jashar. He said, Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offerings, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, In life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. Thank you, Larry. Good morning. I saw a a t-shirt this summer. Uh, On the front, it said, uh, world's uh, number one killer. And so you're kind of like, well, what is that? And then the guy turns around and says, death. Who, who gets these t-shirts? We, we don't know how to deal with death. It's, it's difficult. It's, uh, it's uncomfortable for us, isn't it? Every time we show up for a, a funeral, a memorial service, we struggle. We don't know how to enter in. And, and we, we, just, we, try, we try to know what words to say. It's difficult for us. We don't know how to grieve. There was an incredible tragedy that took place several weeks ago in Colorado. A young madman decided to walk into the opening of the Batman movie and pull his weapons out and start shooting. And lots of lives were lost that day. And for those who were in the movie theater and for those who were the family members of those who had fallen... Their lives were changed forever in an instant. And what started to happen is people didn't quite know what to do with it. All of this had just taken place, and it's, it's, it's crazy, and it's painful, but people didn't know how to enter in. The questions became more about the movie. Should we, should we show the movie? And what's taking place? In Paris, they were going to have a big opening, and they thought, well, we should probably close the movie for the opening in Paris. Should we talk about how the Batman movie's doing and how much money it's making? And this was the big premiere. Is that appropriate? Should we go to the movie at all in light of what took place and lives that were lost? How How do we enter into this? How are we supposed to grieve this? How do we start to 
to enter in with those who are hurting, how do we respond to death? The reality is the next day, thousands still went and saw the Batman movie. Life seemingly went on amidst everything that's happening. It's true of war, isn't it? There's death, there's death every day. And the motto is, hey, the troops have fallen, but we've got to keep fighting the fight. And there never seems to be time to really to grieve, to understand what's happening. What is proper to do at the moment? And the thing that's beautiful about this chapter in 2 Samuel is that David is going to teach us how to grieve, how to enter into death, which is so uncomfortable for us. We don't like to think about it too much. But the reality is we face it every day, whether personally or just all around this world. Death is taking place. David enters in and Saul has died. Young man shows up with Saul's crown and David really says, how dare you? How dare you come to me with this? But the truth is, he's going to be king. And all the people are behind David, and we're going to see next week as Judah gets behind David and says, we want you to be king. Everything is coming into place to now become the king of Israel and the king of Judah. Everything has stacked up in his favor Everybody's behind King David. And so now, take your kingship. Yeah, Saul has died, Jonathan has died, but take your kingship. And it would be real easy, don't you think, to be like, you know what? Yeah, this is what God has called me to. And now let's start to to work on what it means to lead Israel, to lead Judah. How that's going to play out. You can see sort of his cabinet members all right, here's the next four-year plan for you to be king. Let's get our policy in place. It's time to move on. And the thing that's amazing about this, this passage in 2 Samuel, with all of this, this wave of, of motion towards his kingship, the action stops. It stops. How do you deal with death? How do you grieve? And David steps right into it. David took up this lament concerning Saul and his son Jonathan, and he ordered the people of Judah to be taught this lament of the bow. It is written in the book of Jashar. The bow was, was Jonathan's weapon. It's also a word that was a, a homonym, which means severe or, or harsh. And so the idea may have been, teach your sons, through this lament, teach them the harsh realities of life. Teach them how to grieve. Teach them what is true about life, which it's full of pain. It's full of death. And so David is going to teach us to grieve through this poem as he enters in. 
You know, the poem is really one of the most powerful ways to grieve. And, and in, in the times during Israel's time where King David was ruling, the poem was used to, to be, again, one of the most effective and, and one that searched the soul, but the poem was used to lay out grief. It was written by an individual, and it would, it would come in the community. The poem would. And, and more often than not, it was used in public worship. So you would take this grief, this lament, and you'd bring it into this place of public worship, that we could grieve together and call upon our Lord and enter in together. One-third of the psalms are psalms of lament. We have the whole book of Lamentations. The book of Job is so much a cry of lament. God wants us to know how to grieve and that we need to grieve. Even when we don't totally know how to do that, we need to just enter in with the Lord and we need to enter in with one another in a time of grieving for the mighty, the beloved who have fallen. And David enters in and shows us that. As we grieve, as we pour out these, these psalms as, of, of lament, and as we, as we cry out to God, here's the truth. Our Lord, our Savior, enters in with us. I think sometimes we forget. We forget the scene and the shortest verse in scriptures, right? And Jesus wept. Not just a few tears. Gut-wrenching. Weeping. And that our Lord and Savior enters in with us. And as our spirit is attuned to his spirit, and as we, in, a, in, a, in whatever way that looks like, as we pour out this lament or write out this poem, he enters in with us in this lament. He doesn't necessarily take away the pain, does he? But he comes right by our side. Comes right by our side and weeps with us. And David enters in. And God enters into this scene. And David is pointing out, grieving is good. We need to stop in the middle of the whole world is saying, you know, let's just keep on with life. Take on your kingship. Let's just keep going. We don't really want to deal with death. And David is saying, stop the action. A gazelle lies slain, verse 19, on the heights of Israel. How the mighty have fallen. This is the refrain we see over and over again in this poem. How the mighty have fallen. How even the mighty have fallen. It comes to everyone. Tell it not to Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. You see, all of reality is that everything around us is broken. Josh prayed that prayer this morning. We are broken. Sin has brought in brokenness and death. And that's true. 
And it's hard for us to face into that. Everything around is broken, and as we look at the scene, Saul and Jonathan are dead. Death has destroyed deep love and friendship. And that you can't change what has happened. I remember my, my first experience with really kind of feeling death and, and coming into that. I was, I was 16 years old. And a good friend of mine, Ron Bromuller, he and I on Thursday, we went out, uh, we were on the, the Half Moon Bay High golf team. And we were absolutely pathetic. We were the bad news bears of golf. And uh, basically the coach for the golf team was the football coach, so he just needed a golf team. So he's like, come, come play golf because I need a team. So it was ugly. But we had a good time. But we're out there golfing on Thursday, and Ron and I are having just a great day. Uh, just good friends. We've been friends since we were young, 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 and, and we play a lot of football together. And, and uh, Friday night, there's a party that's going on. I can't make it. Ron goes out with a, a bunch of our other football buddies, and uh, they're driving and on the dirt road. And the dirt roads in Half Moon Bay, like any dirt road, kind of can get, get pretty slippery sometimes if you take a turn too fast. And, and he did. They weren't drinking excessively. Uh, they weren't really drunk when the accident happened, but they were joking around, and Ron was kind of talking to the buddies in the back seat, and the car slipped, hit a telephone pole, and because his neck was turned this way, it just snapped his neck, and he died, just like that. All three of the other guys were fine in the car. And my good buddy, who I just played golf with, uh, was gone, just like that. And you show, up, you show up at the church, 16 years old, and they did, they did an open casket, and you walk up to, to see your, your buddy who's dead, and it's just a shell of a person, right? You guys have seen that. It's, it's not them, is it? It's, it's a shell. And you don't know what to do with it at 16. It's like, whoa, this is, he's, he's gone. And you show up at school on Monday, and again, you don't really talk about it very much. You kind of go on with golf, and, and uh, you don't know how to enter in. And I think a lot of the times as we're growing up, we, no one really teaches us t- to enter in, and that it's okay to grieve, and that you need to. And you don't need to just kind of brush it off and try to be strong. You know a lot of times, hey, be strong. Be strong. How do you tell that to a 10-year-old little boy who just lost his father? Be strong. Teach him how to grieve. And enter in with those who are grieving. And that's what I think David's doing here. He's stopping the action. He's coming in really into public worship. And let us come together and grieve. Instead of just moving on with my kingship and the next day. Sometimes we, we try to laugh it off. And you know what? As I gather with families, and if you, as you've done this as well when, when people have passed away, you know what? It's, it's good to laugh. You need to laugh. You need to tell stories about their life. And, and you need to laugh. It's good, I think, for our soul. But sometimes we just try to, we try to keep going that way. We just try to laugh it off so that it doesn't affect us, you know? Try to laugh off death. 
And the world keeps trying to do that as they talk about death. You know, let's, let's joke about death so we don't really have to face it. And we don't have to face grieving, and we don't want to have to go through that because it's just uncomfortable. i got to be honest, just, just even preparing for the sermon, I'm like, oh, great, you know, i get to come back in and, hey, good morning, and let's talk about death. You know, it's, it's uncomfortable, right? And it's kind of a downer, right? But it's so true for all of us, and we've all experienced it to some degree or another. And to enter in together and the power of Christ, and to move through that together, I think is what the Lord calls us to. And to grieve. To just grieve. Again, we try to laugh it off. Woody Allen said this, It's not that I'm afraid to die. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Somerset Moan says this, Dying is a very dull and dreary affair. And my advice to you is to have nothing to do with it whatsoever. It's a dull and dreary affair. So just skip over it. You know, that'd be nice, wouldn't it be? If we just didn't have to be there for it. If we could just skip over it. But you can't. And as David is laying out his heart, he feels like there's nothing we can do about it. You feel, you feel weak... You're sitting here at the open casket of your buddy, and you're like, I can't change this. I can't change it. And you, you feel insignificant, and you feel powerless. And you feel confused about all that's going on. And all of us wrestle with, well, what's that going to look like for me? What does that look like for us? The first part of this poem is an acknowledgement of the outcome of death. The unthinkable has happened. Not only death to Saul and Jonathan, but, but death by the enemy, by the Philistines, and then God is, is mocked because of that. You can picture, he pictures in his mind, the, the Philistine woman singing a song over the death of Jonathan and, and Saul just like the women had sung their song when David and Saul came in victorious over the Philistines. All of that's going through his mind. Shame has fallen upon Israel and God, and what can David do about it? And so he cries out, this gazelle has fallen. And then he says this, mountains of Gilboa, May you have neither dew nor rain. May no showers fall on your terraced fields. For there the shield of the mighty was despised. The shield of Saul, no longer rubbed with oil. Gilboa, that place where death had occurred. God, let your creation, I need your creation to join me in my grieving And it's this heart-wrenching, I, I need everything that's around me to join in to this. And that's the way our hearts go, right? Everything that surrounds me, enter in with me in the pain of this loss. He faces what is true and he, and he tries to look to the past, maybe trying to find some solace there. 
And look at verse 22. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan in life were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. David's soul looks for hope. He turns to the, the beauty of the past, but it's also, it's also a dark place, isn't it? The dead are remembered in the height of their powers, in all of their glory. And I love that David paints Saul, his enemy. David paints Saul in all of his splendor, as well as Jonathan. He says kind words about King Saul. He brings out the value of King Saul. It just brings out the value of God's creation. Even though he was an enemy, grieving does that for us. We need to value life, each and every one. You know, even though they may not have been the best person on this planet, that we're reminded that they're God's creation and they're beloved by God and that they have value. The world, again, just doesn't give weight to death or people who are lost and amidst business. I remember when I was 23, 24, I'd been working at this marketing company and my grandma, Bernadette, we called her Maymay, that's French for grandma, called her Maymay, she passed away. And so I told my boss, I'm like, hey, I need to go out to California. My grandma had passed away. And she got upset with me, my boss did. Well, what about the work that needs to be done here? What about, you know, next day's job? you got a lot of assignments to. Yeah, I just need to go for a couple days, get out there, be with my family. It's just your grandma? I mean, that's it's just your grandma. It's not like mom or dad, brother, grandma. Just like no value for life, you know? It's just like you got to be kidding. So, you know, eventually she said, yeah, fine, just go, and but don't stay long, and it was just kind of like, wow. It's amazing how in this world we get so fixed on everything that's going on around us and to grieve for those who have died. It's like, let's just move past that because we have business to take care of. Value of life. And David, in one of the ways that he grieves is that he gives value to life and even to his enemy, even to Saul. You know what else it shows? I think it shows that God had changed David's heart. It would be real easy for David to be bitter. Saul was pursuing him his whole life, right? I'm going to wipe you out, David. And look at this, look at this poem, and he just gives him splendor. Ah, he was a beautiful man. Swifter than eagles, that's what rules the sky, right? The eagles do. Stronger than lions, the lions rule the land. And as he cries out his heart in this poem, he cries out the glory, and, but it's a double-edged sword. It's like, this is who they were, but they're gone. They're gone today. And there's a real struggle, a real struggle about what's taking place. 
Jonathan was right there with his father. Jonathan was loyal to his father. He loved David and he was loyal to David, but he remained loyal to his father. And you know what the reality is? That loyalty, that loyalty killed him. He stood with his father in this battle, right by his side, going into war. And there's an honest struggle there and a wrestling. It wasn't sin that killed Jonathan. It was his loyalty. It was his love. It was his care for his father. Stuck by his side in this futile war. And he was taken out of the picture. And as you hear David crying this out, all you can go is, that's not fair. That is not fair. Jonathan was a good man. Jonathan lived a good life. And that's for a lot of us. You know, it's not fair. These are people who are loving you, Father. These are people who have come by your side and said, my life is yours, and you take them out of the picture. It's not fair. You take little ones who are not even born yet. That doesn't make sense, God. It's not fair. We have that going on in our lives, all around us. We have a dear family, a young life family, who the wife went through a bunch of cancer and and she fought through it, and, and the doctor said, hey, you're doing good. And, but the midst of the cancer, she wasn't able to have children, and so they adopted two beautiful children, and they're living their lives for Christ, and, and they're a young couple, you know, just kind of rolling. And the cancer came back too strong. And so now we're just waiting for her to be taken to the Lord. And you go, Lord, that's just not fair. And what does David say? Verse 24. Daughters of Israel, basically in public worship, those who are with us, just weep. Just weep. Grieve. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, ah, I need you in the middle of this. It's real loss. And this grieving of David is real loss, not only for Saul, but primarily this this poem we start to see is really for his dear friend Jonathan. It's this picture of David standing alone at the grave as he addresses his beloved Jonathan, how the mighty have fallen. And he changes his name from son now to my dear brother. How the mighty have fallen. 
you have a love that is better than that of a woman. And really what that's saying is, it's a love that transcends even that most beautiful love, that romantic love, that marriage love. It transcends all of that. You know, it's interesting to me that the homosexual community grabs a hold of this and they say, ah, see, see, they were gay. They, lo- they were lovers. That's the furthest thing from the truth. This is a picture of this profound love between two brothers that the world just can't seem to grasp that we can love each other so deeply. Somehow we have to pervert it and say it's gay. It's gay love. And it's not. He says of Jonathan, it's wonderful. Your, your wonderful love, this wonderful relationship. And that word wonderful in the scriptures and the Hebrew was, was used of, of basically of miracles of God. Our relationship is so wonderful. It's miracles of God like the, the parting of the sea. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's all of God. What he's saying is this relationship that you and I had could be nothing but from the power of God. That uniting of the Spirit, it's too awesome for just our humanness to even enter into. Too wonderful. And so David grieves over this friend who he had a great and a deep love for. And this poem expresses the value of Jonathan's life that Jonathan mattered, that Jonathan was a beautiful gift. And so David moves us to grieving. And I just wanted to share a few thoughts about how we can enter into grieving. Because so many of us, and and as I sit with, with you and the body, there's so many times where there's been painful things, death in our life, and and we just don't want to enter in. We just don't allow ourselves to grieve. And I think, I think David, I know the Lord wants us to go there, to a place right before the Lord. And so here's a few thoughts about how we grieve. I think as we grieve, we, we, must, we must hold on to the truths of our Lord and Savior. Blessed are those who mourn, Here's the truth. Here's what God promises. For they will be comforted by our God. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who does not have hope. For we believe that Jesus died and he rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That's the good news, isn't it? As we grieve, we've got to be reminded of the good news. We have a Savior who died on the cross for our sin. And don't you know that if we die with him, Romans 6 says, surely you will rise again with him. We do not live as those without hope. They're not just hollow words. 
not just Christianese. It's truth. And we need to hold on to that as we grieve. We know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, Corinthians 5 says, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. It's not built by human hands. And meanwhile, we groan and we long to be clothed in our heavenly dwelling. And then the ultimate truth is this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, Revelation 21 says. And there will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's the hope we have. That's the truth we can hold on to. Express our grief holding on to the truths of God. The other thing as we grieve together is that we do it as a body that we allow the body of Christ to grieve with us. So many times we put up that hand, we just can't enter in. And we hold people at a distance. But I think we need to allow the body to enter in. Adrienne read that we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. And let us enter in with those who mourn. There's a beautiful poem by a woman named Grace Crowell, and it says this. Let me come in where you are weeping, dear friend, and let me take your hand. I, who have known a sorrow such as yours, I can understand. Let me come in. I will be very still beside you in your grief. I would not bid you to cease your weeping, friend, because tears can bring relief. Let me come in. I would only breathe a prayer and hold your hand, for I have known a sorrow such as yours and understand. Let's do that for each other. I know it's uncomfortable for a lot of us. I know we don't know what to say. I don't. I've been doing this a long time, pastoring. You still never know what to say. But like this poem, just sit. Just hold a hand. Just be with a person who's grieving. And the last thing I would encourage is that you write the poem. Write the poem. Grieve. Pour out to God. Lay out your heart before Him. And let the God of all comfort comfort your soul in grieving. And then bring the body in into this beautiful place of worship before God that we take this before our Lord together. But write the poem. And let us turn that over to God together because he will comfort our soul. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the hope we have in you. And Father, I just pray right this very moment that your Holy Spirit would pour out upon this body the 
that you would comfort those who are grieving. That your tender mercies would be laid upon them. Thank you that you are the God of all comfort. And thank you that we have hope in you. And Lord Jesus, thank you for this word this morning that David taught us how to grieve. And Father, help us to release that and to grieve unto you, to rest in your bosom, and to cry, Abba, Father, help me in my grief. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we do. We thank you that we have life in you. In your beautiful and precious name, amen.